life. What's going on, people? This is the Real Talk Real Walk family, and we are back again with yet another episode. Hmm. Come on. Another episode where we are going to dive into one of your questions. Another episode of Can I Chime In? <laughs> Another episode full of one sec, one sec. That's right. <laughs> Another episode full of small discourse and debating. Come on, come on. Another episode where we are going to give you some knowledge that you may not have received. All right now. Receive, receive. Another episode where somebody is going to be healed and transformed. Amen. Hallelujah. Back with myself, Gabs. Myself, Mr. Game Changer. And your girl, Ore. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to, yeah, you lot know the rest of the intro by now, you've forgotten. Right, so today we are going to deal with a question that has been sent in to one of you guys, one of our faithful listeners, and we appreciate you for sending it in. And without further ado, so I don't waste too much time, the question reads, uh, hey, hope you're well, I love the Real Talk Real Walk podcast, thank you very much, we appreciate you. I just had a quick question, what are your thoughts on listening, playing worship music from churches that have been questioned theologically? even though the music is theologically sound. I'm not naming names or accusing, but it's something that's been on my mind for some time. (laughs) (laughs) I'll read it again, just to give you some time. What are your thoughts on listening, playing worship music from churches that have been questioned theologically, even though the music is theologically sound? Hmm. Do you know, I'll even start on this occasion. I've been reading this question... And I'm trying to understand, trying to ascertain what the meaning behind it is. And genuinely, I think off the back, my first thought is, I think there's definitely a difference between. I think, I think first of all, we've got to look at what what the church, what they mean by the church being questioned theologically. Because if the music is theologically sound, I don't know how we're saying the church is theologically sound. But I imagine the individual must mean the sermon is not theologically sound. Because I don't know how we can automatically just say the church is not theologically sound. However, the worship team, which is a part of the church, is is theologically sound. But anyway, no, I get I get what they're saying because we're gonna have to ch- take names because there's no other way. Yeah, well, how can the church be the whole church be is is not I, theologically sound, but the worship team is? They mean like if they've had like some questionable <laughs> situations. So you they mean the sermon, right? Or maybe. Okay, let's okay. I have to name names. Let's say like Hillsong, yeah. I'm assuming that's what this person is referring to. But even if that's not, let's say break it down to me. I don't don't understand. Obviously, this is common knowledge, so it's not shade. It's just for the purposes of this discussion, and it's just facts. Some of their pastors have obviously been Mm -hmm. kind of exposed for certain things. But Mm. if if the worship team and the songs are banging and they're theologically sound, but yet some of the leaders have had questionable pasts mm-hmm. or had, have gotten themselves in a bit of a pickle, let's say. Mm-hmm. Should we still be listening? I assume that's what this person okay. is Okay. So essentially, they mean the pastor is not theologically sound because they just completely say the church because obviously there's several components of the church, isn't it? It's not just, just the pastor. But anyway, if that's what they mean, if they mean the pastor is not theologically sound, but the worship team is, okay, cool. That obviously changes the question. And I think based on that, Personally, 
if the pastor is not theologically sound, but the worship team is, I will still listen to the worship music. I'm able to dissociate the two. I would never, I would never complain about a church based on one component. Because you can find churches where the pastor might not be theologically sound, but yet the worship team is, or the church has a spirit of excellence that you admire, or you admire how the church are helping the community, or there's various different things in it. Um, so I personally can definitely still listen to music from the worship team. And if I was an if I was a musician, I would still play this, I would still play the same songs. I would not think, oh, the pastor's not theologically sound, so I can't sing the anthem. Um, because I think I'll be able to disassociate the two. I just think when people call out a whole church based on one component flaw, I'll call it a flaw for one of a better word, I I do think it's a bit of a reach. And it's not even just theology, it could be other aspects as well. If, I don't know, a church is not hospitable in, in one aspect, to now say the whole church is this, the whole church is that, I just think it's a bit of an issue. Like, comment on the fact that the ushers don't smile. Don't now say, I don't like that church. It, <laughs> but I don't know what this person is saying. They're asking, is it, should we still be listening to the music? I think so. If the worship, if the worship, if the music slaps, I still think so. Because I would disassociate between the two. Or I'll differentiate the two, sorry. It's like R. Kelly, though. It's like, should we still be listening? It's, it's kind of like that. Should we listen to R. Kelly's music? Yeah, me, to- personally, I don't even know if Ema remembers. This is before the time I was on the pod. I will listen to R. Kelly. Not R. Kelly's music, because I think he's, I don't think he's all that. But in terms of music that he's produced or co-written, I'll listen to. There's some R&B rhythms, some slow jams that he's written and he's, um, com- he's produced that I still listen to. I'll be real. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not one of them people that. Oh, if R. Kelly comes on the radio, ah, oh, turn it off, like, yeah, ah, oh, God, be honest in it. <laughs> same way, I, I would listen to Michael Jackson, who people supposedly should have cancelled. The same way, I'll listen to Mike Todd, who people supposedly should have cancelled. It was a bit different, though. But yeah, why? Why, why are they any different? Yeah, I cancel mean, culture. R. R. said the agenda has the agenda. <laughs> no. Does not like Mike Todd. <laughs> no, the thing is, I. Previously had no opinion on him, but after Spitgate, I made my views very, very clear. So I'm not. We don't need to. You people have no grace, bro. No, it's not that because when people used to say Michael Todd does too much theatrics, I was on the fence because I was like, if the theatrics serve a purpose, I don't have a problem. But after Spitgate, that was the day I realized this guy's on a madness and that's that i'm i'm glad he apologized and i and i you know it means that he's not a lost cause completely but mm. in so far as do i listen to his sermons no <laughs> but because he spat at somebody no i wasn't really listening to them before anyway because he's just not the type of preacher that i yeah. like it's just a bit too much for me but yeah mm. that's fair that's fair What's but what i'm saying is that pastors are different like would you listen to a pastor's sermon if if the pastor's questionable? No, but that's because that's different to the worship team. Mm. If the pastor's doctrine is questionable, like if my, do you know what? This is a debate for another day, innit? But if Mike Todd's doctrine was questionable, I won't listen to Mike Todd. But if his doctrine is sound, but the way he carried out his, or the way he demonstrated his sermon was incorrect, my issue will be with the demonstration. My issue won't be with him as an individual yeah, or I him as a pastor. That. My issue will be with him as a demonstrator or an illustrator. God bless you, Gabs. My, my issue will be with him as an illustrator as opposed to 
I can't listen to Mike Todd's sermons again. The same Mike Todd that these young people were listening to and screaming about. Yeah, but I all of a sudden he spat. Oh, I'm not listening to Matt Todd. The same Matt Todd that got you out of depression. <laughs> anyway, it's a debate for another day, man. It's the debate oh for another day. But what's your what's your thoughts on the um um the the pastor being um the pastor not being theologically sound, but the worship team is? Um, yeah, uh, I think the long and short of it is, yeah, I, I mean, um, the, the you have to you, you have to deep it. What what are we worshiping God for? Uh, what's the, what's the essence of our worship? What's the essence of of why we sing to God, or why we use music and you know instrumentation and stuff like that? And when we get to the bottom, when we get to the bottom of that, then you know, then we can make our decision. If a song is glorifying to God, um, if a if a song is befitting, um, yeah, if the song is befitting of of what we're doing to praise him, um, to honor him, to worship him, then uh, there's, 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 there's really no issue. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Sorry. Do you remember this song? There's this song here. Um, I believe you're my healer. Mm, yeah. Anyway, that song, right. Was, I think it's written by Hillsong. Anyway, Sean, the guy who wrote that song. Yeah. Concocted a whole story mm. that he, had cancer and he was going through cancer treatment and that he would literally like to the point where his family would follow him to appointments as in outside the hospital. He shaved his head like bald. So it looked like he was going and he had lost his hair. Come to find out now that this was all a lie and that there was, the guy was obviously going through his own mental battles However, that song in and of itself is theologically sound. There's nothing wrong with the song and probably holds some kind of, you know, power. By what you're saying then, should we continue listening to that song? Because that particular situation is very wild and I can't sing that song comfortably again, knowing that the whole premise by which the song was written was essentially all fabricated. So does that mean you're attaching the song to the writer's experience? In that particular situation, because I, I do agree with what Iman said, and I agree with what both of you said, generally speaking, but in that particular situation, I think the circumstances are so unique, and I just couldn't listen to that song with the same vim again. I don't, I don't, I, I, I think that, you know, if it's your conviction, obviously, to not, one, not listen to it, and two, not sing it anymore. That's perfectly fine. Like that. That's you know, Holy Spirit is convicting you not to do so. No, no, I'm not saying it's any oh, conviction. Oh, 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 <laughs> oh, oh, I'm just oh, saying okay, me yeah, just personally. Yeah. I mean, if, if you if you've chosen not to, I, uh, there's a million other songs that you can sing to God. Like that's there's one song is not the issue. One one thing I'd like to say is that you, you see the funny thing about life and God and Christianity is that. Even if he concocted that concocted that story, the interesting thing is that the lyrics of the song are still relevant to someone. And mm. it's kind of like the narrative in the scripture where, for example, Paul was like, I believe it's in 2 Corinthians or 1 Corinthians, where he was like, yo, there's guys that are preaching the gospel for selfish gain. And he was like, look, us guys, we're preaching the gospel for sin, like for true, for true. But he was like, either way, I know you guys are upset about it, 
But the thing is, the gospel is still being preached. This is Paul the Apostle. He knows that there's people preaching for selfish gain, but it's like, either way, the gospel is still being preached. And the thing about God is that in everything, either way, like God is still going to get the glory from it all. God is still going to be glorified in it all. And so this is where, like, as much as man tries to put their hand on it, you have to understand, like, God supersedes all of these things. He transcends, that's the word. He transcends all of these things. Even if someone is trying to do hanky-panky, trust me, at the end of the God is like, look, you think you're smart. God was watching when that man was writing that story. Even though, mm. even though the guy was, even though when he was creating a narrative in his head, God was watching him. But God was like, yo, <laughs> I'm going to still use this. You know why? Because there's people that are actually going through things like this, that this song will actually be the song of their life or the song of their season or the song of, you know, what they were going through. That's the reality of it. And more time, you know, I, I can't, I can remember the song. I just can't remember all the lyrics. But the reality is God is a healer. <laughs> Whether the guy was playing hanky pankies or not, God is mm. a healer. It's like um, the other song, le le less uh, a more controversial song, Reckless Love. That is, I, I, I really don't, I, me personally, I really don't understand why it's controversial. The guy has done 5 million explanation videos. I don't understand why, guy, you know, it, it's been up for debate. But okay, guys, fair enough. If you don't like the song, you don't like it. Oh, God's love is a reckless. Show me in the Bible. Reckless is a strong word. Reckless is an English word. Bros, whatever language, yeah, I could say in Yoruba, you could say, I could say reckless or, you know, overwhelming or whatever. Love of God. Even in Yoruba, it doesn't, it, it doesn't even sum. Reckless, the word reckless doesn't even sum up, up God's love. You could say God's love is beautiful. Beautiful is a very underwhelming word for the love of God. Whatever word we use in English to try and ascribe to God, oh God, you are mighty. Bruv, do you know how weak mighty is? Like it does mm. the word mighty in English doesn't it doesn't even sum up to how mighty God is, but we use these words. If anything, if we want to be pedantic or we want to be uh, you know, well, that doesn't really mean much, bro. You saying God is my God is awesome. The biggest word that you can, God is, you know, gigantic. God is, ah, he's great. But all these words are small. They're, they're nothing in comparison to what God actually is. But I don't want to get into that. The point that I'm making is that the song, Reckless Love of God, there's so many, you can go on, on YouTube now, type in Reckless Love Debate. The point is that, do you know how many people that song has led to Jesus Christ? Like, mm. however much you want to, get at it or it's uh you know the, the the theology of the church might not be you know great but the song is theologically fine that's all that matters it's glorifying to god a lot of the songs that we sing may not like as we grow in god like the how if for someone like gabs you're a songwriter the songs that you write this year like will be nothing in comparison to the songs that you write next year on five years down the line. Why? Mm. Because you're growing. You're growing in your understanding. You're growing in the revelation of the knowledge of who he is. So what you think right now might be like, remember the hymn, Pass me not so gentle savior. That song, it is very theologically, mm -mm -mm. But do you know how many people that song has led to Jesus? I love, I love yeah, the melody. But why? Jesus isn't going to pass you by. Jesus doesn't want to pass you by. But in those days, in that day and age, they were kind of like, oh, if, uh, you know, there's moments, 
and you know if if Jesus is there and we might miss him because we were distracted or whatever. Like that was a theology that was going mm. out and about them times. But Can it's I not the same now. Yeah, go for it. When when did we when I say we, I mean the body, when did we start scrutinizing worship songs? Because the reason why I was growing up, I don't remember having any conversations about whether a worship song was theologically sound on. Sound, yeah, yeah. Like when when did we start scrutinizing certain like worship songs? Is this is this a new thing with the younger generation? No, but I do think it's because some of the newer songs are a little bit more. I don't know how to explain it. I wouldn't say less theologically sound, but I think some of the language. Maybe it's just millennials. As language evolves, I guess, the the content of songs evolve and it makes us think, are we watering down the gospel? For example, there's that song, God's Great Dance Floor. Like, <laughs> what does that actually mean? By who? And do you know that song, I Come Alive on God's Great Dance Floor? If you don't know it anyway. Oh, yeah, that sounds, yeah. yeah. It's called That's... God's Great Dance Floor. And it's like, what does it actually mean? Whilst the lyrics might not necessarily be like theologically wrong, what does it actually mean? Like, if we're going to sing worship mm-hmm. as worship, as in, let's say David in the Bible as our example, mm-hmm. look at the content of what he's singing and look at the content of what we're singing mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. I guess the question needs to be asked: like, what are we actually saying, and why, and what does it mean? Should, should we just go back to singing African praise and worship? Because Back in the, in the old days, in, in the old, some of our old churches, we just used to sing, Jehovah, you are the most high. Mm. And everything was simple. Everything was straightforward. Everyone would slay. Everyone would lie on the floor. Everyone would yeah, but even then, everybody blow your trumpet. Like, is that worship? Like, if we're going to... You're singing, praising God. You're, yeah, you're making your a joyful sound unto the Lord. Trust me, you're making... <laughs> trust no, me. I get that. No, I'm just playing devil's advocate space yeah. to speak here. Please but blame God's like, advocates. Yeah, yeah, the Lord's advocate, literally. But I was saying, if we actually analyze the content of that song, what are we saying? It's Why, a, are we it's a Why are we analyzing? Everybody blew the trumpet. I will praise our Lord. It's a good thing that already mentioned about the panana. What are we saying? Because I know there was a period where worship leaders started complaining about. American worship leader saying oohs and ahs or ohs. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> why is that pro- No, you see what, yeah? I, I want to go back to... Uh, I made a point. Um, oh, it's more about God's great dance floor. It's... Uh, oh, my goodness. Was it about David and actually yes, thinking no, what we're saying? No, but even when you say look at David, yeah, I, I feel like people don't read Psalms properly. David is like he was growing. He was complaining. He was was doing small uh, Twitter swing, like whatever the guy's name was. (laughs) My enemies are after Lord. My enemies are after me. Save me. Deliver me. Ah, eh, Do you get what I'm saying? So sometimes if if we want to be very honest, some of David's Psalms sound very Hillsong-ish. But it wasn't corporate worship. But it it wasn't corporate worship. No, but people do... People do use corporate. Um, people use psalms to write corporate songs, no? Yeah, true. <laughs> so it's it, and, and we use it as scripture, right? So the point is that the the point that I'm trying to make is that 
my issue with you know the 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 churches in questions, the Bethels and the Hillsongs, maybe more so Hillsong than Bethel, um, is you know some some of the self centeredness in the worship. Whereas it's kind of like the worship is centered around you more than it is God. Oh God, my problems are X, Y, and Z. And then then it, they fit God somewhere in the narrative where it should really be more about God, glorifying God over your issues and problems. And that's where I find issues. That's where I find a lot of things un, unscriptural, where, it's sent, where worship is more centered around us than it is God. That's where I find a problem. But if we're being very honest, the the English that you see in King James of of David's writings or whatever is English. It's a transliteration. Like in David's own language, the language that he spoke, it meant something, and it probably meant a lot more deeper because other languages than English are a lot more richer in terms of their depth. But the point that I'm trying to make is that ultimately it centers our worship centers back to what's the focus on. Like we're not trying to do this tribalistic thing where oh I don't agree with you know, whatever, like, and I feel some, t and uh, yes, to go to, um, to your question about when did it start? I do feel like it's more recent. I do feel like in this renaissance of younger people, millennials and Gen Z, you know, finding an awakening in the, in the topic of theology and the concepts of theology, then I think that there's a lot more scrutinizing of stuff, which is not necessarily wrong, necessarily wrong, or it's not intrinsically wrong. I just think that we just have to be a bit more sensible and we have to apply some holistic level of understanding in how we apply certain things. So, like I said, I gave the example of Reckless Love. Now, it goes to my point is that this song has been used for the glory of God and for the kingdom of God. You can do your debates. Don't sing the song if you like. Sing the song mm. if you like. But the point is that God has been using that song. And mm. God has been using that song more than the debates that you've had about the song. So if anything, it should be, Lord, what's your heart behind this? Is my heart in the right place? Is this song glorifying to you? And sometimes you will not sing like, um, um, uh, uh, I've, anyway, I forgot the song because I was going to use it as another example. Uh, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. That's like, we don't necessarily need to be prepared to be a sanctuary because we are God's tabernacle now. But that song is still powerful. And I think the heart behind what the writers were saying is as, as important as what our, what we feel our interpretation of it is. If you decide not to sing it, fine. Just make sure that your worship is in line with God. If you do sing it, sing it unto the Lord. That's that's what it's all about. Mm. I find that when we're now debating about, because I, I saw something, <laughs> Shireen said, said something a couple of weeks ago that they were in, she was in a writing session. Oh, yeah, that was you me. You know what I'm saying? And then after they finished writing the song, they were now saying, the that is prophetic. Come that's on, like, prophetic. Those, like, those that are led by the Spirit are the children of God. Like, if God, if Holy Spirit inspires this, I'm not saying that you can't have those kind of conversations. I am not saying that because people might say, oh, you, what, are you saying that we can't judge a song theologically? That's not what I am saying. What I'm saying is at the end of the day, what is the heart behind the song? What's the heart behind the song? And is God pleased in this? If God sees the heart, if God sees an unbeliever singing reckless love of God, but it means something to them because it's like, God took me out from the trenches. I was the worst of the sinners. I was doing the maddest things, but God delivered me from that. God delivered me from that. And he, and he spent his grace on me in such a ridiculous way. 
No, you know what? I'm going to sing this with all my heart. How are you going to tell someone that song is theologically wrong? Mm. This is where we behave like Pharisees. I am mm. not going to do that, even if I don't sing Reckless Love anymore. I haven't sang it in a long time, not because of debates, but I've just not felt the need to sing it. I feel like there's so other songs I can sing. Let me ask, if that if you're at a worship event, yeah? yeah. You're at a Harvard, you're at one of these worship events, yeah. and the worship leader starts singing Reckless Love, what are you doing? I will sing. I will sing. <laughs> I'm not under, I'm not, I don't feel any, I'm not moved by condemnation. I'm not moved by Pharisees or self-righteous people or people that have a conviction not to sing it. That's not going to stop me from singing a song because for me, I, I've, I've watched, you know, the initial um, explanation video by the author. I get it. Like I'm, I, 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 and I still deem de myself as one. I, I'm a rap, rapper. I'm a lyricist. I understand what it means to play with words. I understand what it means to be creative with words. So when someone says the reckless love of God, like when I heard the song, I never went, ah, someone is saying God's love, God is reckless. No, no one is saying God is reckless. But when we talk about the love of God, you can't understand it. You can't get to the bottom of it. I didn't need any interpret. I didn't even need to watch the video of the uh, the writer explaining what the song meant. I just got it because I got the rest of the song and I knew what the writer was talking about. I just feel like sometimes when we're nitpicking, what's the essence of it? Mm, if you I don't want to sing, word. don't sing. Bro, don't sing. But at the end of the day, the Bible encourages us to sing. If you don't want to sing, sing your own thing. If you don't want to sing in tongues, don't sing in songs. Sing in English then. Sing in your language. But let's stop the nitpicking because it's very jarring. Like when we when we now become gatekeepers of how people worship, it really frustrates me. Like if someone can't sing, don't tell them that they can't sing. Like they're worshipping God. God understands that. Like, On that one, whilst I, whilst I do agree to an extent, yeah, I don't even know if I'm pivoting or not, but yeah. if you have a worship leader that doesn't know how to sing, I didn't say I didn't say that one. I didn't say that one. But oh. even if that, bro. But the honest truth is, bro. If that, even if that was the case, and let's say in that local local church context, because I've seen it myself. Like as much as God has graced me to speak in churches that you know have you know larger audiences or large amounts of members, I've I've also grown up around being able to minister in a lot of smaller churches, and a lot of smaller churches they don't have people that can sing well sometimes it's just an auntie that's just trying and she can only you know do her best that's mm. fine the honest truth is that these people are worship what's the, the parameters for worship in john jesus said that people should worship in spirit and in truth so if if your heart behind it is true now if you're in a bigger church context there are people that can actually sing please get someone who can actually sing get someone who can actually play unless unless you've got this anointing of tai tribute where you can minister Free, I don't even know what the, what the definition is when you can when you can when you can minister with anointing let me put yeah. it that way when you can yeah. minister with anointing like Tai Chibit because Tai yeah. Chibit he's not really a great singer yeah but well he, he's he, not bad he's not bad Kurt, Kurt but Franklin, Franklin now I don't even rate Kurt Franklin like that he yeah, should do poetry Tai Chibit Tai Chibit is the guy so what did you say Ori? Uh, no I said Kurt Franklin is not a singer he's never said that I think he's more of like a producer but I don't even know what a hype man yeah, is. There's, 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 yeah. No, he's, he's a songwriter. He's a producer. Yeah, he's a producer. But even when he does try to sing, he does he does on the songs, like some of the songs that he does, he does try to sing. But most of the time he stays clear of that. But even when he does try to sing, like, what's my business? I understand. Like, I get it. At the end of the day, like, the Bible's instruction is to all of us. It's not just to the people who can sing. 
But at the end of the day, we understand that there's there's realms and dimensions to this in that, you know, let people who are actually skilled and actually good and anointed for this, let them actually lead like the, the congregation and whatnot. But the point still remains. Ultimately, even if you're like, I know bare man them that can't sing, but bro, I cannot lie. There's been brothers, they cannot sing, but I've seen them worship God and it's brought me to tears. I've seen them worship God and it's brought me to just want to pray or praise God in my, in my own way. I can hold the, the note. Is that the anointing of the vocals, though? I think I it's, think it's not even a. It's, it no, it's not. No, I'm not mixing it. I know the difference between anointing and vocals. The point that I'm trying to make is worship. Worship is not. Worship was not by matter of how good you can sing. Worship is a command for everybody. When we so, look so, at. So a, so a worship leader with a bad voice doesn't distract you. Is that what we're saying? It's the man is so gone that he doesn't even get distracted. The honest truth for me is that even I've I've learned to train myself, even when people can't sing, even it's not that it's not there. So people shouldn't say, Oh, he's capping. No, it is not that it's not there. I have learned that I can't allow someone who can't sing as good or someone who's not as good on an instrument to phase me from worshiping God. That is where I'm at. I am not, I'm not saying that I am better than anyone, but I'm learning. I've learned this. And this is someone, I, yes, like I said, I'm a rapper. I, I'm, I do a lot of things. I used to play the drums as well. I, I know about music. So it's not that it's not distracting. My point is that I have learned and I'm continuously learning no matter what, when, whether the music stops, whether the music is going on, whether someone is bad or whether someone is fine, because people that are actually good can also be distracting. In fact, they can actually be more distracting than someone who actually can't sing, especially those that will be doing, going over the top riffs, runs, drummers that would just be chopping everywhere. Do, do, do you get what I'm saying? So, because, uh, and that's why I like, you guys know me, I like balancing the conversation because people will be jumping on people that can't sing. Trust me, I've been thrown off more, and this is no cap, I'll be honest with you. I've been thrown off more in places of worship where people overdo it because they know they're skilled or they know they're very anointed or talented. People that know that they're talented and gifted and anointed, people who are truly maturing it will do less than do more. But anyway, that's the story. I agree with that, especially with the musicians, especially drummers. It's a good thing you mentioned drummers. There's definitely drummers that love a role. like They love a good old role, and sometimes a role is not even needed. Absolutely um, not. But they'll just be rolling. Or even vocalists, they would love a shout. They just love shouting because I think sometimes we've attached shouting with anointing. We've attached shouting with the move of God as if God doesn't move in the silence. Yeah. So I've, I've definitely been in places where, yeah, people definitely do overdo it. People underdo it. People undercook it and people overcook it. I definitely hear it. And the over the overdoing it can sometimes be annoying. Mm. If, um yeah, the singers are just screaming. They're just constantly screaming. It's just like, we hear you, like. We hear you. You don't need to shout, and let's not let's not get carried away. Is this is this one emotion, or or is this one really a, a move of God? Which one is it? Hmm. Because if there was no shouting here, would God still be moving? Hmm. Um, so I definitely do hear the overcooking. Yeah, Obviously, the, the the thing about um whether the whether the pastor, if the pastor's not physiologically sound, are you still listening to the music? Yeah, I, I, I've I've still said it. I mean, for me. The, the point even though the pastor is not theologically sound the pastor, I probably would still listen yeah it's it's not it's not about it's not about the, it's not about the it's not about them mm. it's, it's a the, the song if it glorifies once again if it glorifies God I use the example that Paul gave people were preaching the gospel for selfish gain people are still doing it up to this day 
But he was like, either way, the gospel is still being preached. And this being said, we'll remember that everyone who's a teacher is under strict is under stricter judgment, one. But then also, two, everyone will give an account of their actions and their behaviors. So, yes, you may not, if you don't like, if you, if you don't want to sing the song, once again, fine. We're not into legalism here. This is what we can't do. We're not into legalism here. But you not singing a song that there's nothing, the, the lyrics of the song, there's nothing wrong with it. It's actually very biblical, but you just don't like the pastor or from the church or whatever. That's that's your own prerogative. Like, that's fine. But don't be telling other people that they can't. Like, we don't, we're not here, we're not gatekeepers of worship. The parameters that Jesus sets in John chapter 4 spirit is done in spirit and it's done in what truth if it's in the truth of the scriptures and it's led by the spirit of god was you can't hold anyone to ransom please don't hold anyone to ransom please don't tell people what they can and can't what gospel songs people can and can't listen to if they are doing things uh, that is led by by the spirit of god and that we can find reason to do it in the scriptures like don't gatekeep people mm. and be telling them how they should and shouldn't worship if it's not, if what you're saying is under legalism or that's my conviction. Your conviction is not the conviction of the body of Christ. I feel like I need to say that. Your conviction is not a holistic thing. There are things that the Bible prescribes to us and gives us as instructions. And there are things called convictions. If you don't want to eat prawns, that's your business. Don't go around telling people that, it's his doctrine that people shouldn't eat prawns. That's your business, bro. That's your mm. business, sis. Don't be going around. We can't do it based on convictions. You can have a compelling conviction. That's fine. If people see, you know, grounds for this in the scripture and they take it on themselves, fine, fantastic. But, ah, uh, women have to wear head wrappers in church. Bros, that one, you're on your own. If a sister doesn't wear head wrapper, it, the Bible doesn't say that she's going to hell. So let's be very careful with what is a conviction and what the Bible actually dictates and declares as the truth. And I know there might be someone who's cheeky here that goes, you know, in First Corinthians, in First Corinthians, not thirteen, sorry, um, where where Paul says that women should cover their heads in church. Don't get me started on that one because I'll flog you with with a good argument. So let God be praised. And yeah, that would be my answer though. I hear that. It's a good answer. Um, Aure, you were saying something? No, I said before that I just felt like I didn't really have the range for this type of conversation, just the being range. honest. However, I would I would not, I probably wouldn't stop listening to worship if the church or the pastor was theologically questionable, but I would stop listening to a sermon, but I guess that's not the question here. Mm. Praise good. I think we can wrap up there. Um, Eman, you got a scripture, bro? Yes, I absolutely do. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19. It says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your hearts. I end with the last three words, with your hearts. Okay? So if it is done in spirit and in truth, John 4, from your hearts, there is no issue with it. If you don't like a church because of their doctrine, that's fine. Please don't put yourself under stress. Don't listen to them. It's just like when people say, if you don't like content, scroll past it, block the person, mute the person. Why are you putting yourself under pressure by worrying about 
what Bethel are doing, what Hillsong, if you if you don't like, because, and why I'm saying Bethel and Hillsong is not to draw them out, it's because those are two of the main places that, you know, people find issues, especially from a worship perspective. If you don't like Bethel doctrine, don't listen to them. If you don't like their songs, don't worry about it. Just find something else. Go and listen to Campus Rush. Go and listen to Fiofila Sunday. Go and listen to Victoria Renzi. Go and listen to Uncle Nathaniel Bassi. Go and listen to Dunsin. Go and listen to other people. Dunsin. Do you get what I'm saying? Go and listen to other people. Go and listen to Becca Folks. Go and listen to Call Out. Whoever you want to listen to, listen to Go and listen to Shireen. Pick up Shireen. Do you get what I'm saying? Listen to Shireen. Go and listen to Ethwa. Pick up the saying? Big up the youngest for sure. Ah, we we we're talented here. But the point remains: go and listen to, to other things. Don't put yourself under stress. Like, and if you're if if you don't put yourself in a space where you're having unnecessary debates about things that are not primary issues, like this singing Bethel songs is not a salvation issue. So stop getting worked up. If you want to do it out of, you know, I just want to have a conversation, fine. But those of you that are losing your hair and losing friendships and fighting, and please rest. God is mm. good. Sing. In fact, guys, the Bible says, sing a new song to the Lord. I was about to say, write the song. Write your own sing song. Sing a new song unto the Lord. Ah, Write the song, bro. Lord, I Whatever just song want you to praise you. Write it. When I wake up in the morning, I just want to praise you. Jesus, I love you. I love you. I love you. <laughs> when you wake up, sing a new song unto God. Sing a beautiful song unto God. Make up your own song. You don't have you don't have to go to YouTube. You don't have to try and memorize a song. You know what? I, I'm being, you know what? This is funny, but I always preach this because there's, there's like when I especially when I get to preach at like worship events or whatever. I'm like, guys, do you understand that God actually wants to hear a song from you? you? He doesn't need to hear your own version of another song, even though we do it anyway. But sing your own song to God. And you know what? Your father's not there laughing at you. Like these guys were laughing at me with the song that I made to God. God was listening to my beautiful song. Mm-hmm. And he was joyous. He was happy. Why? Because it's his, cho- it's his children that are making melodies from their heart to him. It's, it's like a love song to him. So the father gets it, he understands it, and he receives it. So if you're having problems, make up your own song and sing to God. God bless you. That's the end of my song. <laughs> Amen. Amen. For real, man. Look, guys, thanks for listening. A nice and short and sweet one. It's not every day over an hour. It's not every episode 45 minutes. Sometimes God can release the word in season and then you can go about your business. Appreciate you guys for listening. Real to Real Family, we're out. Peace. Peace.